Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the Raiders will officially announce Allegiant Stadium as the site of Super Bowl 58 later on this morning. Lots of Cleveland Browns currently dealing with COVID-19. Plus, we'll talk about the Raiders offensive line and how they need to show something these final four games. And you know we'll close out the show with your calls and texts. It's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Today it is being brought to you by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Off top, I'd like to thank you for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. And today is the day starting off at 930 this morning. So depending on what time you're listening to this show, the official announcement going down at Allegiant Stadium will begin to talk about Super Bowl 58 and the fact that Allegiant Stadium will be the host site of it. Very exciting for everyone in Las Vegas. Should be pretty exciting for Raider Nation as well, but I know a lot of fans are saying, hey, it's exciting if the Raiders are there hosting it, which you never know. Two years from now, you never know what can happen. Uh, they could be maybe possibly the second team, maybe even the third team to host a Super Bowl in their home stadium, but knowing that it's coming to Las Vegas, knowing that the Pro Bowl is going to be here on February 6th, knowing that the draft is going to be here from April 28th to 30th, and then knowing that it won't be very long from now and then there'll be a Super Bowl going on here. It's going to be very fun and exciting. So the event all kicks off around 9.30 this morning. It's going to basically go from 9.30 to 12.30. The Raiders will make the announcement. Uh, I think it's really technically going to start probably around 10.30. They'll give us a little bit of time to get in there and get set up and get ready to rock and roll. But basically from 9.30 to 12.30 Pacific Standard Time will be the announcement of Allegiant Stadium being the host site for Super Bowl 58. And so it made me wonder. It's something that I want to bring to the table at some point. I don't think it's really a necessary conversation right now but knowing that the Super Bowl is going to be in your home stadium does that force you to say you know what this team is not where it needs to be right now obviously we know in the offseason there's going to be a lot of turnover there's going to be a lot of changes you know trying to be respectful to the folks that are in the building right now but there's going to be a lot of those folks will not be there after this season is over does that force owner Mark Davis and the front office to go out there and make drastic wholesale changes because who wants to be the laughing stock of the league when you're hosting the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I, I think that in a roundabout way, this might actually help what the Raiders have going on this offseason, and it might kind of force and push Mark Davis's hand into making some drastic changes that you know are going to be good changes that you know can get this team where it needs to be so you're not that laughing stock because everyone always wants to host the Super Bowl similar to what Tampa Bay did a year ago. I remember when the Dallas Cowboys were hosting it, everyone said, man, this team's got to be good so they can host the Super Bowl. And they didn't, you know, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl when it was in their stadium. But that's what happens each and every year is teams want to host that Super Bowl. And so far, only Tampa Bay has been able to do it. But I think that the fact that it's going to be Super Bowl 58, everybody knows it. And it's the very first time for Las Vegas. I think there's going to be a little bit added pressure on the front office and Mark Davis to get this next hire, get all the right football people. People and the football players in the right position to make a run. I'm not saying that they're going to be there. I'm not saying that they're going to host the Super Bowl, but I'm saying that I feel like it's going to put added pressure on Mark Davis to make sure he gets this next round of hires correct. 
So that's something clearly that we'll talk about, like I said, at a later date. There's plenty of time to talk about offseason decisions and what the Raiders do. Uh, do want to get you caught up to date with everything going on currently with the team. The Raiders released their injury report on Tuesday, and since the game is on Saturday, they started releasing the injury report a day early. So they'll have Tuesdays, they'll have Todays, and then Thursdays. And then on Saturday, 90 minutes before the game, we'll find out who's in and who's out. So just going over it real quickly for the silver and black, uh, safety Jonathan Abram. He uh, did not participate on Tuesday. He had an illness. Cornerback Trayvon Mullen, who just got back from injury with a toe injury, is dealing with a toe injury and did not participate on Tuesday. Also, Denzel Perryman, the linebacker, dealing with the ankle injury. He didn't participate. And tight end Darren Waller, knee and back injury, did not participate. I'll tell you right now, I know there's plenty of time for those two guys to come back, Denzel Perryman and Darren Waller, but I'd be shocked if they played on Saturday. For some reason, my gut feeling tells me that they're not going to be playing a whole lot more the rest of the way. I, I don't know when Darren Waller is going to come back. Of course, they're not going to rush him because he's such a key cog and I'm not sure how locked in Denzel Perriman is at this stage of the game to get his ankle injury back again not trying to put these guys out there and say something that you know is false but that's just my gut feeling on those guys just don't know how soon they're going to come back as far as guys that were limited Max Crosby's dealing with a calf injury he was limited on Tuesday Foster Moreau tied in with an abdomen injury he was limited defensive end Carl Nass has been dealing with that knee injury he was limited and then Patrick Owasu with a hamstring injury he was limited as as well. A couple guys that were full but still appeared on the injury list. Linebacker Markel Lee dealing with the rib injury. That's good. Going to need some reinforcements at the linebacker position. And safety Trayvon Merrick who was dealing with a tooth injury. And I don't make any fun of anyone dealing with a tooth injury anymore after I dealt with a tooth injury one time where I thought it was no big deal until it was a huge deal. So Trayvon Merrick was dealing with some kind of tooth issue but he practiced in full on Tuesday. So that's a good sign for the rookie safety out of TCU. As far as the Cleveland Browns go, they're dealing with more than just injuries. I can go over their injury report, but really, they got more things going on than that. They're dealing with COVID-19. They're one of seven teams that are currently under COVID-19 protocols uh, on Tuesday. As a matter of fact, Adam Schefter had tweeted out about Tuesday evening that there were 75 players across the NFL that had tested positive for COVID-19. So, a lot of teams across the league are dealing with it. The Browns are one of them, for sure. And I'm just passing this along just for information. Not really saying that the Raiders are going to get a competitive advantage by this, but just so so you know what's going on with the Cleveland Browns, who are the next team that the Raiders face coming up on Saturday in Cleveland. Guard Drew Forbes, he's on the COVID-19 list. Guard Wyatt Teller, tackle Jedrick Wills, they're all on the COVID-19 list. Ta tight end Austin Hooper, wide receiver Jarvis Landry, and defensive end Tack McKinley, they're all on the COVID-19 list. And that's of as of right now. You never know who else could shake out and what else is going on. Uh, again, there's a bunch of guys that are, are banged up and injured, but uh, I can update those throughout the course of the week. Just wanted to pass that on about COVID-19 and all the positive cases across the league because it is a whole lot. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't stop at the NFL. It's going on in the NBA. It's going on in the NHL. I mean, there's just COVID-19 cases popping up all over the place. And of course, I mean, you look at the calendar part of the year and you're going to assume that you're going to see a lot more cases. Well, the NFL is going through that right now. Later on this afternoon at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, both uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, will meet with the media. Should have a couple players as well. On Tuesday, Derek Carr, Malcolm Koontz, and Quentin Jefferson all met with the media by way of Zoom. Not going to bring those sound bites to the show. I do have a sound bite I want to bring to the show, but it's not from any of the players on the Raiders. Matter of fact, it doesn't have anything to do with anyone in the building outside of Derek Carr. And this is something from Colin Cowherd. Uh, he was on Fox Sports as he does his show, The Herd, on Fox Sports. And somebody actually sent this to me. I'm not going to play the whole sound soundbite, but 
I know there's a lot of Raider fans that are talking about Derek Carr and what the Raiders are going to do with him in the offseason. They're going to keep him around, re-sign him, trade him. Is he going to retire? What's what's the case? I mean, there's a lot of different directions Derek Carr can go, but Colin Cowherd was on the show on Tuesday, not on my show, on his show, talking about Derek Carr and his value and what someone would give up for Derek Carr. And so just to put this in your ear is something that, again, we'll revisit at some point. We'll talk about it uh, in the offseason because the offseason is going to go fast and furious. There's going to be a lot of things going on around the Raiders. But this was Colin Cowherd talking about value as it pertains to the quarterback position and Derek Carr. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, you know, there's the old saying, you're, you're paid, uh, you know, not necessarily what you're worth, but you're paid what somebody is willing to pay you. And, uh, you know, you put your house up for sale. It, what's it worth? Well, I don't know. Somebody maybe really wants to live by the beach or near the mountains or in a good school district. Your, your house is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And uh, what is Derek Carr worth? Oh, a lot. A lot. Because we got nine teams, and I'm not counting Atlanta, who are looking for a quarterback. So there's a story this morning about Derek Carr. The Raiders hit a new low in Kansas City. Does Derek Carr deserve better? Yes, of course he does. Of course he deserves better than a classically dysfunctional NFL franchise. But Matt Stafford, who had two years left on his contract, did something about it. He went to ownership and just said, get me out of here. Two years left. Derek Carr's got one year left. Would he be willing to go to Mark Davis and say, get me out of here? Uh, Of course he deserves better. He's on his fifth head coach. It's the poorest owner in the league. There's been chaos in the front office. Um, What would he be worth? Oh, my gosh. I just wrote this down this morning. Washington, the Steelers, the Giants, Denver, Carolina, and the Saints would call. Houston, if they don't love these quarterbacks in this college draft, most don't, would call. Green Bay would call if Aaron Rodgers left. Seattle would call if Russell Wilson left. And I'm not taking shots, but I think Cleveland, if they could upgrade, would absolutely upgrade to Derek Carr. You wouldn't get all the constant aggravation. So the Raiders could get a boatload in return. A boatload. But what are you worth? So that's just a little bit of what Colin Cowherd had to say about Derek Carr on Tuesday on his show, The Herd, uh, talking about you know Derek Carr's worth and, and, and what he'd be able to get or what the Raiders would be able to get for him if they decided to try to trade him or he went to Mark Davis and asked about it. And the piece that he was talking about when he was saying, you know, does Derek Carr deserve better? The after Raiders hit a new low in Kansas City, does Derek Carr deserve better? That's actually a piece that Vic Tafer put out on The Athletic. And, you know, Colin really should have referenced Vic Tafer and The Athletic when he, uh, he mentioned that. But... I mean, it is what it is, you know, but uh, I'll tell you, if you're looking for that piece, that's from Vic Tafer on The Athletic. He does a fantastic job covering the silver and black for The Athletic, and uh, sometimes he's on my show on Raider Nation Radio 920, so definitely want to shout him out, but just a little bit of food for thought right there. Again, that's something that will be thought about throughout the course of the offseason, and I'll say this, and then we'll get into segment number two. The quarterback class in the draft is not that strong this year. It really isn't. So if the Raiders think similar to what they just heard from Colin Cowherd, if they have any kind of thought on that, they probably could get a pretty large haul, like he's saying, for Derek Carr. So if that's the direction that they decide that they want to go, that might be something that they try to do to try to get things turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry with the team here in Las Vegas. And I don't know what that would mean for their quarterback position, but they would have to have that answer before they decide, in my opinion, before they decide to go in that direction. But again, like I said, that's something that we'll talk about at a later date, something that we could talk about in the offseason because there's still four games left to go 
in the regular season starting this Saturday in Cleveland against the Browns. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about what I think needs to happen in these final four games, and that's the offensive line. Stand up, damn it. Stop getting ran through. Stop getting embarrassed. I'll tell you all about it, tell you what the Raiders did in the offseason, where they're at right now, and what they need to show these final four games when it comes to the offensive line. Before we get to any of that, though, I do want to remind you that Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in L.A. is less than 100 days away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. I also want to tell you about Stance Apparel, and Stance is the title sponsor of today's show, and they've got a lot of great apparel to choose from. They've got the socks, the underwear, they've got the hoodies, they've got everything that you can imagine, especially for the holiday season, shirts, joggers, again, I mentioned socks. I mean, they've got a lot of creative apparel that is something that's going to separate you from everyone else. It's not something that looks exactly like everything. Like, I'm a big Wu-Tang Clan fan just from hip-hop. Well, they got the Wu-Tang Clan collection. So if you're a Wu-Tang fan like myself, you can get that collection in time for the holidays or you can get them for yourself, (laughs) you know, or Batman, the Goonies, Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, Bob Marley. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Whatever you're a fan of, I'm pretty sure Stance has it covered. You just got to check them out on their website, Stance.com, and go through it. I guarantee that you'll find something that you like on there. Steph Curry, he just broke the three-point record, uh, Ray Allen's three-point record on a Tuesday night. They have NBA apparel that you can go choose from. Again, just you got to go check it out to understand exactly what I'm talking about. They've been around since 2009, and they're really coming on the scene right now. A lot of folks are talking about Stance. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Again, register for an account at Stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about the offensive line as it pertains to the last four games of the season. And let me just go ahead and take you back to the offseason and what the Raiders did. And it's obviously very well documented. They moved on from center Rodney Hudson. They moved on from right guard Gabe Jackson. And of course, they moved on from Trent Brown, the right tackle. Trent Brown just wasn't going to play for the Raiders. That was a no-brainer. So that just had to happen. They had to move on from him. They did. They traded him back to the New England Patriots and did what they did in that situation he's been hot and cold with New England when he's out there he plays well when he's not out there well he's not playing well because he's not available but uh, that didn't matter he just wasn't going to play for the silver and black now Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson that was more of a money crunch that was more because the the salary cap for the NFL went down in 2021 which by the way and I didn't mention it in uh, segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast news and notes uh, it's expected to go up the salary cap's expected to go up in 2022 to around 208 million dollars which is about 
about $20 million more than it was in 2021. So that's a good thing for every team, including the Raiders. But that's just a side note to what we're talking about here. So they made some sacrifices on the offensive line to be able to go and address the defense because what have we been talking about as fans, as media, as anyone who will talk and listen, we've all said if the Raiders had half a decent defense, then they'd be a playoff team. They'd be a team that's competing for the AFC West. They'd have a chance to make a deep run because their offense was really good. So all they needed to have was a middle-of-the-pack defense. Well, here comes Gus Bradley. The Raiders go out and make some moves defensively, get some guys in, including Unique Ngakwe and others. Casey Hayward, you know, K.J. Wright came on late. You know, Denzel Perriman, they made a trade for. They went and really addressed the defensive side of things. And, of course, they did it in the draft as well and came up with the defense that they had. And the defense, for the most part, has been good. Has it been great? No. Has it needed areas of improvement? Absolutely. But it's been a whole lot better than it has been in previous years as far as at least keeping them in games. It hasn't been the sole reason why they've been losing. But what happens with the offensive line? Well, the offensive line is really been a work in progress, and the progress has not been good. Part of the reason for that is the line, the way that they had it constructed when the season started or when they planned to have it the way the season started is not what it looks like right now. Uh, They had drafted Alex Leatherwood, number 17 overall. Remember, he was the right tackle of the future. Didn't work out at tackle. They had to kick him in the guard. Well, there was a hole at the guard spot because Denzel Good, who was supposed to play that position, tore his ACL after one game. And then at the left guard position, John Simpson has been there all season long because Richie Incognito has been a no-show. So Colton Miller was expected to be there. Then it was supposed to be Richie Incognito at the left guard position. Andre James. The undrafted free agent out of UCLA that they felt really good about. They thought they saw a lot of good things from him in practice, and he was going to continue to develop throughout the course of the season. Uh, It didn't happen, really. And then, of course, the right guard position was supposed to be Denzel Good with Alex Leatherwood at the tackle position. Well, it all has blown up on the Raiders' face, and a lot of the woes and issues that the team has had this season offensively has been because of the big uglies up front, you know, and they just have not been able to get the job done. And unfortunately, they've had moments here and there throughout the course of the season where it's been okay, and you think, okay, they're starting to gel and come together. And then they have games like they had on on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Colton Miller, his pro football focus grade, 47.8. That's the guy who just got a long contract extension, and he's been pretty solid throughout the course of the year, but even he didn't have a good day on Sunday. John Simpson, left guard, 57.8. Andre James actually had the best grade, according to Pro Football Focus, of 73.2, and that's not great, but it's better than what the other guys did. Alex Leatherwood, the rookie, 29.9. Brandon Parker at right tackle, 54.2. I, I just tell you all that to tell you that a lot of the issues that the Raiders are having offensively is because of those guys up front. We all know that there hasn't been any kind of a run game for the Raiders all season long. Josh Jacobs doesn't even have 500 yards rushing. Of course, Kenyon Drake is out for the season. Peyton Barber, he's done okay when he's been in there, but he's only been in there for a handful of snaps. I mean, they just haven't had any kind of run game. And this offense that the Raiders have, John Gruden's offense, which they're still trying to run, attempting to run with Greg Olson calling the plays, is not designed to work without a run game. They've got to be able to have the play-action pass. They've got to be able to do something all based off the ability to run the ball. And right now, the Raiders don't have the ability to run the ball, and it all starts up front. Also, Derek Carr, everyone's calling for Derek Carr's head, and I'm not trying to excuse what Derek Carr has done, but he also doesn't have much time to throw the ball. You know, and and I know some people will argue and say, oh, I saw times where he, no, man, look, he's got people in his face all the time. And he's not a quarterback that's going to run around, scramble, move the pocket, keep everything, all the plays alive. When he runs, we notice it because it's very few and far in between, right? We don't see it very often. So when he does run, it's like, oh, man, Derek Carr just took off running. You know, he just 
Ever since 2016, he broke his ankle. He just hasn't been that guy that's willing to go out there and scramble as much. He'd rather stand back in the pocket and throw the ball around the yard. Raider Nation, the thing I'll tell you about that is that's just who he is at this point. You can't change him from who he is right now. You know, he's a guy that just wants to sit in the pocket, and that's what he's going to do the rest of the, his career. He's not going to all of a sudden turn into some nimble guy that's running around the yard. He's not going to have, all of a sudden have Marcus Mariota wheels. There's a reason Marcus Mariota is a backup, though. Let me tell you. I mean, I know a lot of people are calling for his, 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 him to take that spot just to see what he can do, and we all saw what he was able to do week 15 in 2020 against the Chargers, and it wasn't bad. Now, he didn't do that much damage with his arm, but, I mean, hey, what he was able to do with his legs was fantastic. So, I mean, it's like you kind of pick your poison. What would you rather have? I think at this point in the season, it would be healthy and okay for the Raiders to say, hey, we're going to throw him in there for a quarter and just see what he can do, especially with the offensive line struggling. I wouldn't have any problem with that at all. So I don't care what decision they make, but it all has to start up front with the big uglies. And if they're not getting it done, and really the point of this segment, if they're not going to get it done, then you need to find someone who will. Because right now you have a four-game evaluation period to figure out what guys you can move forward with and what guys you can't. I'm sorry, Brandon Parker, when they picked him, when they moved up in the third round to pick him a few seasons ago, was a bad pick. He was a bad pick. He's a backup at best. He's not a starter, and he was never designed to be a starter. He was thrown into that position because Alex Leatherwood couldn't hold down that tackle position, and of course Denzel Good was gone. Alex Leatherwood is going to be, in my opinion, a guard at best. I said that, matter of fact, the day he was drafted, and I put out the video, and anyone who's been following me on Twitter for a long time, at your boy Q254, you probably remember the video when I said, Leatherwood? Leatherwood at 17? 17? Leatherwood? I thought he was a second-round guy. He was a guy that was selected in the first round. That's who the Raiders wanted, so that's who they rolled with. I think he's a guard at best in the NFL. He might not even be a starter in the NFL. He just, he seems, and I, I like to listen to Lincoln Kennedy when he's on with Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle on Raider Nation Radio 920 because he was an offensive lineman. He was a hell of an offensive lineman and he knows what he's looking for. And he continues to say, Leatherwood makes the same mistake every single week. That means you're not growing. You know, the one thing I like about Nate Hobbs, the rookie, the fifth round pick out of Illinois, he makes mistakes, but he doesn't make the same mistake twice. He grows from it. If Alex Leatherwood who is a starter, who's in there so many snaps, can't stop making the same mistake, then what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, And when I say, what are we doing? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it's like, you know, is that what they're okay with? Is that because he was so drafted so highly that they have to make it stick somewhere? I mean, at some point, man, if, if he's not getting it done and you got four games to figure it out, you got to sit him down. Now, I'm not saying any of the backup offensive linemen are going to be any better, but you might as well give it a shot. What do you have to lose at this point? Andre James, he had a good game against Kansas City, a decent game against Kansas City. And I'm not going to say a great game. He had a decent game. He's had moments where he's been okay. But if he's not getting it done, put Nick Martin in. Nick Martin, you have there for depth. He's been in there when you, when you put with a heavy offensive line. When you go with a heavy offensive line, he's been in there before. Put him in there. He has pr- plenty of experience when he was with the Texans. Put him in there and see what he can do. If Alex Leatherwood's not getting it done, put his backup in, Jermaine Illuminor. Put him in and see what he can do. If Brandon Parker continues to have penalties and continues to get whooped, like he got whooped on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, put Jackson Barton in. You know what I mean? I mean you got to do something. And even Foster Moreau, the tight end, if he's not getting it done, it's not like he's catching a whole bunch of passes these days. He's had what? Since Darren Waller's been out, he's had what? Three catches? He's not doing anything special. Put Daniel Hellman, who's a better blocker than Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau's not a very good blocker. But just going back to the offensive line, just trying to focus on those guys. You know, put Jackson Barton in there. Put Jermaine Illuminor in there. Put Nick Martin in there. Hell, put Jordan Simmons in there if you got to. If these guys you don't think are getting it done and they're not giving your offense a chance to make some things happen, you have four games to figure it out and see who you're going to move forward with. 
all this is the final four games. I'm not trying to, you know, piss on anybody's Cheerios and tell them that, hey, there's no way that the Raiders are going to go to the playoffs, but I don't see it. I don't think they're going to go 4-0 down the stretch. Call me naive, but I don't see him going 4-0 down the stretch. That's just my gut feeling. If they do that, then, hey, they'll probably earn a playoff spot. I just don't see that happening. So they should be paying attention to everybody, and if somebody's not cutting it, put somebody else in that will or that you think will at least give you an opportunity. And if you got to sit Carr down for a little while and maybe put Marcus Mariota in, maybe you don't want to risk him getting hurt, and you have Jermaine Illuminor, Jackson Barton, Nick Martin, and Jordan Simmons in there, well, then so be it. Do what you got to do. But everybody, again, like I mentioned many times before, should be under evaluation. Mentioned it uh, on Monday following the game on Sunday that everyone should be on notice, you know, and there should be some changes. I don't know. When I asked Rich Bisaccia about it on Monday, he was very, you know, kind of coy about it. Well, I always anticipate playing with some changes. But he did mention offensive line and some other players getting reps at certain positions. So maybe we'll see some guys out there. But the offensive line is the biggest issue that the Raiders have right now. And so they've got to figure out who they can move forward with in the offseason and then what they have to do to go address it. Because if this team is going to be good at any point, and I honestly don't care what quarterback is back there, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the league, if not the best quarterback, damn near the best quarterback in the league. And I'm not saying longevity, long-term, because we all know that that's Tom Brady. But as far as just young quarterbacks right now, a guy that just about any team would want to go, uh, you know, start their franchise with, it'd be Patrick Mahomes. Think about what he did in the Super Bowl. He had to run for his life because his offensive line was broken down. So it doesn't really matter what quarterback you have back there at that position. If your O-line is not solid, and when I mean solid, one cohesive unit, they could be good individual players, but unfortunately the offensive line isn't built like that. It doesn't matter how good you are individually. That's why Colton Miller struggles at times because his running mate, his left guard, John Simpson, he's struggling because his running mate, the center, Andre James is struggling because his running mate, the right guard, Alex Leatherwood is struggling because his running mate, the right tackle, Brandon Parker is struggling. It's one cohesive unit. Those guys are the most important guys to all be on the same page and and be gelling at the same time. And so far throughout the course of the season, none of them have. Again, none of them expected to be all in this position except for Colton Miller and Andre James at this point of the season. But, I mean, they, they've got to figure out something. They have four games to do it. And, oh, by the way, Cleveland's going to be a dog. I mean, you got Miles Garrett. you got Jadavion Clowney. That's going to be tough. Then you got Denver. Then you got the Colts and the Chargers. All those teams have pass rushers that can really get after it. It's not going to be easy, but this will be a great evaluation period for all four games with the offensive lineman. Just go and mix and match. Do what you have to do. Put some other pieces in place just to go and get it done. They've got to figure something out. Before I get out of segment number two, I'll read this text from Cucamongo Raider. He says, what's up, Q? Thanks for all that you do, providing an outlet for us Raider fans during these times. Everyone's talking about making a change at quarterback, but what's your thoughts on starting with the O-line? And with the O-line, I mean Andre James. Isn't he the quarterback of the line? I remember Carr always telling us how important Hudson was with calling protection at the line and how in sync they were with Audible. I can't help but think maybe a change there and putting someone with a little something in their neck, as you would say, would help. Nick Martin had that, in my opinion. The one play I saw where he ran down the field to put a hit on someone stood out to me. Unfortunately, it was a personal foul, but I love the fight. I can't say I've seen that from James. What are your thoughts? Well, that just goes back to the whole segment that I just had. That's why I wanted to read that text right there. Yeah, I think that there could be a a possibility, and not just with Andre James, but with everyone on that offensive line outside of Colton Miller. I think everyone on that offensive line could be subject to be swapped out at any given moment. And I think the Raiders should be open to that. And I'll say this. I don't think Tom Cable is exempt from any of this either. 
Tom Cable knows what he's working with, and when he's done well, we've all praised him. I've, I've been one to come on here and praise Tom Cable for the job he's done. I don't think enough people are talking about Cable. Everyone talks about Basaccia. Everyone talks about Olsen. Folks are talking about Gus Bradley. How about Tom Cable? He's responsible for the offensive line, and if they're not getting it done, that falls squarely on him. And if you go back and look at the history of Tom Cable, coaching offensive linemen, and wherever he's been, it hasn't really been the most glowing reviews. That's why a lot of us, including myself, were very skeptical when John Gruden hired him as the offensive line coach to return to the Raiders from Seattle when Seattle was struggling in a major way. He should not be void of this conversation. A lot of heat should fall in the hands of offensive coordinator or offensive line coach, excuse me, Tom Cable. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you about a fantastic protein bar that you're going to want to try. And the reason why is there's a lot of great flavors available for the holiday time. And I'm talking about Built Bar. Eggnog's available. Coconut Lover's Box is available. Caramel Macchiato, Caramel Almond Delight, and a brand new one. How about this one? gingerbread gingerbread built bar is available right now all these are available for the holiday time so if you want to get some get them to your house you have people over family friends whatever the case may be and you want to give them a snack while you're watching the game or a bunch of games like the college football playoffs or whatever the case is yeah, Built Bar is what you need. Again, lots of good flavors to choose from. Of course, they have the oldies but goodies, but I'm really excited about the holiday hookup flavors that they have, like eggnog, gingerbread, caramel macchiato, and one I had just the other night, Caramel Almond Delight. Check them out today, Built.com. Use that promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your order at checkout. That's Built.com, promo code LOCK15. to save 15% off your order when you check out at Built.com. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to get your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Dario in the 530. He's calling to talk about the Raiders, the state of the team, the stadium, or the entertainment venue that he calls it, and the lackluster performance the Raiders had against the Washington football team a few weeks ago. Here he is, Dario in the 530. Yeah, Q, my name is Dario. I'm from the 530. I have been a Raider fan since I was eight years old. I'm 60. I had Raider season tickets in Oakland uh, forever. Um, things are bad for us now. I went down with my 15-year-old who was dying. The only thing he wanted for Christmas was to go to a Raider game. We went to that Washington game. Stadium's beautiful. It ain't a football stadium. It's an entertainment venue. They don't, I could go into all the reasons why it's not a good. I'm definitely in Oakland, and I definitely ain't the Oakland fans. But all that aside, when you said last week that you were talking about Raider fan, uh, Raider players not being or coasting, my 15-year-old was balling. We took a flight from Reno. It went down, spent two grand, watched the game, came, watched a lackluster performance, lackluster fans, came home, and we're just depressed. He's like, I've never seen the Raiders in a playoff game. And they're, these guys can't get Jack to play a game, can't get ready. I mean, I have to give say one thing. The stadium was – the, the the national anthem was great. Everybody was pumped, and they just came out flattered and dog, you know what. And then to see that game, 
against Kansas City, and anyone who knows Raider-Kansas City rivalries knows the last thing you want to do is poke the bear, go on the logo, which is complete horse and they just came out and looked like they had no idea how to play football. It's embarrassing. But that's even beside the point. This whole organization from top, it's a mess. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know. Because decisions Mark made to hire Gruden and Gruden's emails are, you can say what you want, but he, you didn't know the guy was like that. And he doesn't even have a winning record since that Super Bowl. Our front office, our, I mean, our president, CEO, everybody's gone. How does this thing get straightened out? And even when it does, you're in Vegas. People aren't going to the games. The Raiders have zero, zero home field advantage. It's not going to change because everybody comes to Vegas to party and see their team play and whoop off on the Raiders at this point. You go to Kansas City, I didn't see for sure silver and black in that stadium. That Washington game, there was probably ah, the whole side behind the visitor team was red. I don't know, man. I don't see it getting better. I don't, I don't know. There he goes, Dario in the 530. Thank you for the call, my man. I hear your frustration. I get your frustration. I appreciate you. And, you know, I wouldn't call the fans that are at Legion Stadium, I wouldn't call them lackluster fans. I mean, you have no reason to get upset at them. They have a reason to get upset at the product on the field. I mean, think about it. They have a reason. They, I'm there every single week, and the fans are jacked up, and they're trying to root the team on as much as possible. But after so much, it's like, okay, then what? I mean, you can't keep asking them to keep on coming up to and, and step up to the plate, and then you let them down time in and time again. I mean, they are jacked up from the minute that the game starts until, well, at some point it starts to look like it's out of control. They're there. They're doing their thing. Yes, there's other fans that are going to be there. Look, that's the reality. It's Las Vegas. There's going to be a lot of fans that are going to want to travel. They're going to look on their schedule and say, oh, when does my team play the Raiders? Oh, week eight? Cool. That's the one trip I'll make to Vegas. I can go and, and hang out in the city and go watch a game. That's the reality of it. That is absolutely right. And, and you know, a lot of folks talk about, well, I never saw any of that at the Oakland Coliseum. And I love Oakland, California. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But that's not a destination location for a lot of fans. Folks from Kansas City aren't going to be like, hey, you know what? Let's go to Oakland this week. I mean, they're just not. Vegas is a place that people like to go. It's, it's as simple as that. That's why there's a Super Bowl going to be in Las Vegas in a couple years because it's a destination location, just like New Orleans, just like Miami. People are going to want to go to see them. I mean, it's just the reality of it. I mean, I know that we all want to compare it to Oakland and compare it to L.A., but it's just a different animal. And at some point, you just have to realize it's not Oakland or L.A. anymore. But the one thing that will help the team is if they win. You win games and that cures all. You don't win games and everyone feels very comfortable with coming to your stadium and celebrating a victory because they feel like you're going to roll over like we've seen the Silver and Black do the last few games. Well, actually, since they've been uh, in Vegas, they haven't developed a winning culture yet in Las Vegas. And that's something I agree 100% has to change. Thank you so much for the call. I do appreciate you. Let's go ahead and go to a text from Buckeye Raider for Life. Q, Buckeye Raider for Life in the 330. First time reaching out to you. Let me start by telling you that I've been a bleeding silver and black fan for 49 years. I watched my beloved Raiders go from the most feared football team in the league to a laughing stock. A laughing stock. This game shows that it's time to rebuild again. Mark Davis needs to hold every person in the organization accountable for the product that's been represented to the Raider Nation. Each member of this team, coaches and front office staff included, needs to get in the mirror and look at themselves in the eye and ask themselves this question. Did I do my job? 
It's going to take more than standing in front of a microphone and giving the standard answers or holding the team meeting on the opposing team's logo to get pumped up to get a win. We're at the end of the season, and making the playoffs is nothing but a dream now. It's not too late to show some greater pride. It's time for these guys to put their big boy pants on and get with the program, not just go through the motions, only to go out there and take an ass whooping. It's going to take a commitment to excellence. Keep up the good work, Q. Win, lose, or tie. Raiders till I die. Buckeye Raider for life. Out. And I agree 100%. I really do, and that product has got to get fixed, and it's going to be up to Mark Davis to make some tough decisions in the offseason of how he's going to go about that. And like you said, every person in the organization needs to be held accountable, and I do believe Mark Davis is looking at every single one of them, from the GM to the front office to the coaching staff to every single player on that roster if they're going to be there next year. Now, of course, we know that Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole just got contract extensions. Of course, guys like Trayvon Merrick and you know rookies and stuff like that are going to be there. Malcolm Coons, those guys are going to be there uh, Max Crosby will be there next year uh, you know no doubt about that unless they unless they were to go in some other direction and maybe trade him or something like that which I don't see happening but you never know I mean there's there's 99% of the roster I think is under the radar of what they're going to do next year so yeah I think there's going to be a lot of players and coaches held accountable in the offseason and we'll have a hell of an offseason to talk all about it thank you so much for that text I do appreciate you next up is Jordan in Oregon just got time for a couple more a call and a text Jordan in Oregon he's calling in to respond to a text that I had on the end of my show on Tuesday that had to do with Derek Carr and the Raiders offense hey what's going on Q Jordan in Oregon calling in I've been kind of reserving my call this week just to I wanted to kind of get my thoughts together before kind of spitballing at you on Monday. I was I was honestly infuriated after that that last game, just like Raider Nation as a whole. But um, one take I wanted to just chime in on uh, your last text of the show on the Tuesday podcast. Excellent text there, and, and just to kind of piggyback on that, it, you know, talked a little bit about Carr, and and I think he's. He's the easiest guy to look at with the team not doing well. And I tend to focus there, too. And, um, you know, one thing that that text was saying is how his completion percentage, just overall play kind of declines the later the year goes. And that that is super true. And what else rings true is uh, if you just kind of look back, I've seen some things lately that kind of show, you know, just our overall offensive ranking, you know, from 14 to now. And I was surprised to see, like, literally – you know, we're kind of in like the bottom third. I knew we were bad, but I think I've kind of fallen victim to thinking Carr maybe is better than he is. You know, I've, I've been, well, I haven't missed a game since 1999. I've never missed a Raider game. I mean, I, I'm pretty proud of that, to be honest with you. But I, I, for some reason, when Carr came in in 14 and he looked like a competent QB, and I've heard you say Q, he stabilized the quarterback room. And that's completely true. But I have kind of fallen victim to just thinking maybe he is the guy that can get us over over the hump and be, and get us back to like playoffs and and you know I don't even want to go as far as Super Bowl but just get us back in the mix. And after looking at some of these rankings, man, I know we've had a bad defense, but the last like eight years compared to the eight years before that, like in all reality, if you want to pick out the best season since Rich Gannett, I'd say it was the two-headed monster year when we had Michael Bush. And Darren McFadden, we had a hell of a run game, and we also had a, you know, halfway decent quarterback middle of the pack with, with Campbell. And so it, it got me putting things in perspective, like looking at a graph of the last, you know, 20 years of the Raiders, you think, oh, Derek Carr, we've had in the last 80 stabilized quarterback room. He has played better than a lot of the quarterbacks, but overall, isn't the goal to win a championship? Because we're nowhere near that with, with the last eight years. And I know, oh, the defensive, the, the line, 
um, or the defense has been awful. The offensive line's been in shambles. Well, that, that was like that the previous years before, and we still were ranking about the same. So, bottom line, we've been about the same team with Carr as when what we were without him. And so, if he isn't going to get you to a Super Bowl, I know he's a hot topic right now. I just think it's time to reset the whole organization, get somebody outside the box, get somebody with just a fresh vision. All right, man. That's all I got. Peace out, brother. There he goes, Jordan from Oregon. Another guy that's pretty fired up and pretty frustrated. And Jordan, you know you always get me when you bring up Jason Campbell. You bring up those Hugh Jackson-led teams. They were special. Uh, our team, I tell you right now, man, I was that was one of my favorite teams. Hugh Jackson did so much with so little and led by Jason Campbell. When he got injured, when he broke that collarbone, and then he went out there and made that trade for Carson Palmer, that was the beginning of the end. I was very fired up by that team. I thought that they had a chance to really be special. And, yeah, I said it, that Derek Carr stabilized the quarterback position, and he has. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve the quarterback position after it was stabilized. It's basically like stopping the bleeding. The Raiders had a bleeding, they had a bleeding like ulcer or whatever you want to call it. They had a big sore on their arm that just kept bleeding and kept bleeding and kept bleeding. Then along comes Derek Carr. He stabilized that and he has stabilized it and he has been consistent and you know what he is and who he is. Now, like my guy Akeem in Oakland said years ago on this very show that it's right. He has stabilized it, but Akeem, at that point, his point was, hey, I want a better quarterback. Now that it's been stabilized, I want something better. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if that's the direction that you want to go in, if that's the direction that the team wants it to go in the in the offseason, that's fine. But, I mean, you have to admit that at least it, it, it kept the position at quarterback instead of a turnstile, at least it kept it stable for the years that Derek Carr has been there. Now, again, this could be it. This could be the end of the road, you know, because, again, it's been – Eight years, you know exactly who he is and what he is. If you feel like he can't get you where you need to go, then if you're trying to win, which I believe that Mark Davis wants to win, you've got to try to improve it. So, yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, but I will not take anything away from Derek Carr as far as what he's done to stabilize that position. Now, it's up to the Raiders to go and upgrade it if that's what they choose to do. One more text and we'll get out of here and wrap it up for today's show. And this one comes from one of the OGs of the show, Raider Al in Georgia. Haven't heard from him in a minute. Q, young bro, here we go again. Year after year, same old Raiders. This gets old, my bro. I keep hearing how Farrell, Jacobs, Abram options won't get picked up. Here's my thing. What makes you think they want to come back? Farrell, Jacobs, they're from winning programs. Straight to a losing team, they might want to leave anyway. Also, the coaching needs to get torn down. As far as the team goes, I say just get tweaked. Can't do another rebuild. I've been through 20 years of rebuilding, shaking my head. Raider Al from Georgia. Again, an OG of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Thank you, uh, Raider Al. It's been a minute. Uh, you've been rocking with me since I took over in 2018, so I definitely appreciate that. And I'll say this. Farrell, Jacobs, Abram, they would all want their fifth-year option picked up. Uh, regardless if they're frustrated with the team or not, they're not going to make any more money uh, than they will if they pick up their fifth-year option. Those are guaranteed years. So they're going to want that just from a making money standpoint. Now, they could be frustrated with the team, but I don't think there's any team in the league that's knocking the door down of the Raiders saying, hey, give me Clee Farrell. And Josh Jacobs has been very inconsistent. So nobody's going to give him $10 million, which is what the fifth-year option is. Jonathan Abram, he's also been very inconsistent. So again, if those fifth-year options get picked up, they're going to make more money than they would make anywhere else. you know. And, and the Raiders would have to cut them or release them before they can go somewhere else. There ain't no team that's trading for any one of those guys. I'm sorry, but it's just not happening. So it doesn't really matter if they want to come back or not. Their best option would be to get that fifth-year option picked up because for them personally, it's a better financial gain. Uh, as far as the coaching staff goes, uh, I think you'll see a major shakeup in the offseason. And I don't think that anybody in Raider Nation wants to go through a rebuild. You might go through a rebuild, but I don't think anyone wants to. And, and you know, I've mentioned uh, doing some minor tweaks, and 
And I know some people don't think that that's possible. Some people think that you have to, you know, go full throttle rebuild. I don't think that it's fair to ask the Raider Nation to go through a full throttle rebuild again. Uh, just like you said, 20 years of rebuilding is enough, right? Well, we'll see what happens in the offseason. Again, like I've been saying a million times, a thousand questions that need to be answered. And Mark Davis is the key to all of it. So thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. And that's going to do it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, we turn the page to the Cleveland Browns. I'll be talking to Jeff Lloyd. He's the host of Locked On Browns uh, as we do the crossover edition. It's already Thursday. Crossover Thursday tomorrow. We'll be talking all things Browns. Of course, I'll have more news and notes of the day. And uh, we'll see what else we can squeeze into the show. But uh, we're getting closer and closer to game time as it's an early game. It's Saturday instead of Sunday. So one less day to wait for some more Raider football. And uh, we're going to have the crossover edition coming up on tomorrow's show. So until then, Raider Nation, appreciate you as always. Thanks for the feedback, calls, and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. Thank you again for making Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, stay safe. Take care of your family. Do what you got to do. Make sure you guys get ready to enjoy the holidays. And as always, just win, baby.